The Janice Daniels Show. Janice Daniels Show. Repeat after me. America is a republic, and there's nothing democratic about the Democrat Party. Let's get our words right, people. She's tough. What part of shall not infringe don't you legislators understand? Read the Constitution. Read the Bill of Rights. Read the stupid so-called laws that you guys sign your names to. Your focus is shameful. She's smart. And besides, what have you legislators done that gives you power over us? Trick the people into electing you? Swearing an oath that you don't seem to understand or follow? She's tenacious. I say bring the Electoral College to the county level for all national elections so Michigan isn't governed by sanctuary jurisdictions like Wayne and Washtenaw counties. She's sassy. Michigan has a big problem. We have too many people who exhibit seditious behavior in elected office and that needs to change. I'm hoping against hope we can change the change. Let's talk about some of this stuff on the Janice Daniels Show. This could be fun. And now, your host, Janice Daniels. It was just this past Wednesday when I thought that I must have heard it all. I mean, really, I thought I heard it all. And then I found a story on the FloridaBreakingNews.com website, of all places. This story um, is entitled, Michigan Woman Arrested faces charges charges after soliciting fake hitman to kill ex-husband. Can you imagine? And these people vote? It's just amazing to me. Yeah, there's a lady named Wendy, I believe her last name would be pronounced Ween. She was arraigned on Tuesday, July 21st, on two felony charges after going to a website called hireahitman.com. Can you believe it? And she must not have even have used a, a, a VPN, which is a virtual privacy network where you can sort of hide your identity while you're surfing the net. I mean, I don't want to disparage anybody. This poor, poor, sad lady. I mean, she must really be desperate and ill. And now she faces charges of soliciting murder and using a computer to commit a crime. Right now, I understand she's out of jail. She's under a $500,000 bond. She'll be back in court on July 29th. That's next Wednesday for an arraignment. And I'll tell you, you know, it must be kind of rocking in Rockwood because that's where she lives these days because this is something of an international story. I saw a news clip on the UK Daily Mail and, as I say, out of Florida. Of course, a lot of people wouldn't know about it because we've got an anti-American American media that's fixated on scaring the heck out of us all with this big C virus. And, and quite frankly, I don't want to talk about it. I've I've had enough of it. I can't take it. I can't take wearing a mask. I, I, I hate the whole thing. And I will be glad when the American people wake up and stop allowing this to happen to our country. But anyway, I'm going to talk about this hire a hitman uh, story. This was uh, uh, shared with me by a, a gentleman, a friend of mine named, uh, we'll call him JK. And that's not JK Rowling. She's too liberal for me. But the, oh, and there goes my phone. I just dropped my phone because somebody, of course, had to text message me while I'm recording. Uh, anyway, the phone's on the floor now, so it shouldn't bother us. This this website, hireahitman.com, was started in 2005 by a guy named Bob Innes. I believe he lives in California. And he claims to have prevented about 130 people from having their legs broken or being kidnapped or being murdered because when he gets a lead, like when somebody actually fills out an application, he sends it to the local uh, state law enforcement community, and then they go ahead and meet with the perp. And now it seems that his homepage, which I haven't gone to, I'm not going to go to, I wouldn't 
um, recommend that any of you go to, but apparently it offers a what's called a point-and-click solution that's 100% HIPAA-compliant. HIPAA-compliant. And that's not the HIPAA that we all think about right now, which is the Health Insurance Accountability and Affordability Act. And even hardly get these big names of these big bills out anymore. But uh, the the HIPAA that we think of, the Health Insurance Act, uh, uh, it makes us sign about 15 million privacy statements. And while it gives us like zero privacy at all, um, this HIPAA that this website is talking about, they call the Hitman Information Privacy and Protection Act of 1964. Now, can you imagine this lady actually thought that our Congress passed a law in 1964 protecting hitmen? Now, I mean, I'll agree with you with all the stupid bills that, that these men and women come up with. I can't blame her for believing that there might really have been an act written in 1964 to protect hitmen. In fact, at that time, LBJ was the president. So even if I was in Congress at that time, I might have written a hitman protection act if I were in Congress. But it, but it's still really, really difficult to believe this poor, desperate Michigan woman actually typed her contact information, then actually met with an undercover state trooper who was posing as the hire a hitman hitman, and she gave him cash money up front to do the dirty deed done derp cheap. She was going to off her ex-husband for a measly $5,000. She was going to pay him a little stipend because I guess her husband lives out of state. I, I truly can't imagine what kind of vengefulness is in this woman's heart for her to do such a thing. But I pray she finds God while she's in prison. That is, if she goes to prison, you never know. You know, these days, criminals are sort of celebrated. And in fact, it might be the guy who runs the fake hitman website who ends up in trouble for, like, false advertising or something. Oh, what a world, what a world. I will I will check out the story after her July 29th arraignment hearing. I'll put it in my never-ending bottomless pit to-do list, see if we can pull it out next weekend. But in case you, you are curious as to whether or not Rockwood is uh, gaining notoriety this week, uh, I want to explain to you where Rockwood is in Michigan. And I love the fact that Michigan is the only state in our union that can be identified by putting your left hand up and your palm out and if you look at your hand that's Michigan and Rockwood is in kind of like the meaty part of your hand between your thumb and your wrist almost halfway between your thumb and your wrist that's where Rockwood is Um, now if you were to superimpose like a um analog clock remember those old clocks that go around and around if you were to superimpose an analog clock on the uh, front of the your hand the state of michigan uh the rockwood would be at about five o'clock but i think it's a lot later in the day for our poor dear wendy ween because she's just placed her michigan handprint in the annals of history probably right alongside lorena bobbitt remember that lady it was back in 1993 that she sliced off her husband John's special part in the middle of the night with a 12-inch knife. I can't even I can't even let my mind even think about it. But but I I discovered that just last year there was a four-part docu series that was uh, produced by a man named Jordan Peele about Lorena Bobbitt. 
Yeah, I, I couldn't make this stuff up if I wanted to. I mean, you can actually go to Amazon.com where the write-up says that Lorena became a national joke in a 24-hour news cycle. And I think it said something about the fact that that was one of the first stories that actually became like a 24-hour uh, 24 news cycle story. It dominated the media, but the media was at that time dominated by male newscasters. And I'm going to quote from this write-up. It says, quote, as John spiraled downward, Lorena found strength in the scars of the ordeal, end quote. Strength in the scars of the ordeal for Lorena? I mean, what about John? I mean, I don't mean to be a salmon swimming against the current, but, but John's scars on his special part that was later found in a field and reattached to his body would be more of a concern to me than Lorena's scars on maybe her hand or her heart. But talk about Frankenstein. I, I, again, I can't even let my mind contemplate the, the horror of that entire situation. I do remember hearing about it. I don't think I'm going to be watching this docuseries because I'm sure it's going to be agendaized. That's it will have an agenda. It'll make out make John Bobbitt out to be a monster. And again, I don't know any of the details. I, I remember in the you know kind of in the periphery hearing about it, and I remember kind of being shocked. At, but it was there was an amusing side to it, if you all remember. I mean, it's in a kind of macabre way. Uh, but it was more shocking than amusing because you couldn't help but wonder what could possibly drive a woman to do that to her husband when there's always a front door you can walk out of if you're happy, if you're not happy, or if you're being abused. Uh, and in fact, the great singer-songwriter Paul Simon said there must be 50 ways you could leave your lover. A again, I'm not trying to disparage anybody's misery. In fact, I'm really rather compassionate about misery because I've suffered a lot of it myself throughout my life. Uh, but I'm always kind of contemplating answers for these unhappy situations, which kind of brings me to an interesting video clip that was sent to me by my dear friend, we'll call her JB. Now, JB sent me a short video clip of a man named Clay Christensen, who's a professor at Harvard Business School. And the video is posted by a group called People of Faith. Now, in this video clip, Professor Christensen is talking about a conversation he had with a Marxist economist from China who had a Fulbright Fellowship in Boston, which tends to to me, to open up an entirely different line of questioning as to why we're so stupid in this country to invite communists from the world's largest totalitarian nation under the guise of learning when it seems over time that they have successfully assisted in the ideological corruption of our own students, our own children. And maybe they were stealing trade secrets along the way or something. I mean, I'm just speculating, but what the heck, guys? What are you doing? Why has the world's greatest military minds, which are to be found in the brains of the men of America, allowed this usurpation of our entire Western civilization? I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't like it. But I'm just a girl. So, you know, carry on. Try to fix it, would you guys? Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I, I know when I want to get into a little bit of the history of this so-called Fulbright Fellowship Program before I actually get into the substance of the video that JB sent to me. In 1905, a man named James William Fulbright was born in 
Minnesota. Now, he must have been really clever and well-rounded because he won a Rhodes Scholarship to study at Oxford University in jolly old England. Now, a couple of other notable people that have been awarded Rhodes Scholarships includes Rachel Maddow, Bill Clinton, and Cory Booker, which might tend to make me want to travel down a different road if I was offered a Rhodes Scholarship. But, of course, that'll, that'll never happen. But um, probably after getting a really great indoctrination, I mean, I mean, education, Mr. J. William Fulbright was then, guess where he ended up? I know, surprise, surprise. Well, he moved to Arkansas and he went on to become a Democrat congressman. Imagine that. In 1942, he was first elected into office, which led him into a 30-year career as what I consider to be a barnacle on the underbelly of the ever-growing Leviathan luxury liner called the USA government. And that's no exaggeration. We have an ever-growing Leviathan luxury liner called the USA government, and we have barnacles on the underbelly that need to be scraped off and replaced with constitutionalists who understand what our American Republican form of government is all about. But I don't want to rant today. I don't want to rant. Anyway, according to the Encyclopedia Britannica, which is one of my sources that I like to go to, uh, during J. William Fulbright's Short term in the House of Representatives, his most notable achievement was in 1943, that's one year after he was elected, he uh, initiated the Fulbright Resolution, which put the House on record as favoring U.S. participation in a post-war international organization, soon thereafter and forevermore to be known as the United Nations. What a guy. Boy, this... J. William Fulbright, what a guy. A year later, in 1944, he was elected into the Senate, where within one year, he initiated this Fulbright Act that established an educational exchange program for scholars between the United States and foreign countries. Now, during his infamous career as a government luxury liner underbelly barnacle, Fulbright voted against the funding for Senator Joe McCarthy's anti-communism investigations. Yeah, Czech, Democrat, and he consistently voted against integrating schools. Yeah, Czech, Democrat, and he voted against civil rights for black Americans. Yep, Czech, Democrat, and he didn't like the Constitution, according to a speech that I was just listening to the other day by Ronald Reagan on the Hageman Report. Yep, Czech, Democrat. So you know what? It appears J. William Fulbright was a true and loyal Democrat all the way around from start to finish. And you know what? Him and his ilk have done more damage to this country than any foreign exchange student might ever have done. Now, are there any statues of him anywhere? Of course there are. And, of course, there's a petition going around the University of Arkansas, the Fayetteville campus, seeking to remove Fulbright's name completely from the arts and science colleges. And that kind of takes me back to the place where we find ourselves again between Scylla and Charamdis, or between that rock and a hard place. 
do we really want to stand up for our true history, the glory, the grit, the grim? Or do we want to emulate the marauders and start rabble-rousing about tearing down the things that we hate, like the Democrat Party? And I say good job to Representative Louis Gohmert, who's uh, got a privileged resolution in the works. It's very interesting, very well written. And if we have time, we'll get into it a little bit later. But back to this video with Clay Christensen. He was speaking to this Marxist economist, or economist, uh, Christensen, who's the professor from Harvard, Harvard, asked this Marxist economist, who's just about at the end of his Fulbright Fellowship, if he learned anything surprising or unexpected while he was here in America. And the Marxist economic or economists, I never can say that word, right? Economist, economist, the Marxist economist said that he had no idea how critical religion was to the functioning of, now here we go again, democracy. So he had no idea how critical religion was to the functioning of democracy. Now, of course, to my way of thinking, that puts a, what is that, a craw in my, or a, 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 a sticks in my craw, if you will. Uh, what he should have said was that he had no idea how critical religion was to the functioning of republicanism or the American republic. But then again, you know, like, what do you expect from a Harvard professor and a Marxist economist? Uh, Not not, not really very much, quite frankly. Um, uh, You know, I'm really quite sure, though, that that constant misuse of the word democracy is very intentional. If the masses were to hear 24-7 that this country is a republic and that it is a republican and that small r republican a form of government that has to be cherished and protected and honored, we'd have an entirely different voting block, I'm thinking. I mean, I'm pretty convinced of the the validity of that supposition. So um, quite frankly, as I analyze this video, whenever the Marxist economist used the word democracy, I'm going to take literary license and exchange the word republicanism for it or republic. So um, we'll all agree to that, okay? Here we go. Now remember... The Marxist college professor, no, the Harvard college professor asks the communist Chinese economist, uh, I mean the Marxist communist (laughs) economist, if he learned anything surprising or unexpected while he was here in America, to which he said that he had no idea how critical religion was to the functioning of the American Republic. So the Marxist economist goes on to say that the reason republicanism works is not because the government was designed to oversee what everybody does, but rather republicanism works because most people, most of the time, voluntarily choose to obey the law. And in her past, most Americans attended a church or a synagogue every week, and they were taught there by people whom they respected. Now, he went on to say that Americans follow these rules because they had come to believe that they weren't just accountable to society. They were accountable to God. Now, Christensen, who is the Harvard professor, goes on to express his heightened concern that as religion loses loses its influence over the lives of Americans, what will happen to our republic? 
He says, where are the institutions that are going to teach the next generation of Americans that they too need to voluntarily choose to obey the laws? Well, I I, I sure hope that he isn't talking about the public schools, uh, and I sure hope that he isn't talking about the laws as they are currently written. But he ends, uh, uh, Christensen, the Harvard professor, ends the video presentation by saying something really important. He says, because if you take away religion, you can't hire enough police. And and that is so well stated. But again, I, I, I want to ask, where are these laws that are going to be the next generation of Americans' laws that they must obey. Because unless we the people are successful in restoring the Holy Bible, the Declaration of Independence, the U.S. Constitution, the original various state constitutions, and the first ten amendments called the Bill of Rights as the only, and I mean the only, laws of this land, we will doom our children to that thousand years of darkness that Ronald Reagan spoke of, because of the evil laws that are being passed right now and have been passed for the past 240 years. We have a lot of work to do. And I would like to, again, compliment Louis Gohmert for the um, what he's called his privileged resolution that he introduced into the House. Now, Louis Gohmert is the representative from Texas, the great state of Texas, and just this past week... Uh, he submitted a resolution that um, first references, uh, whereas on July 22nd, H.R. 7573 was brought to the House floor for a vote with the purpose of eliminating four specific statues or busts from the United States Capitol, um, as, along with all other information that, that talked about individuals who served as officers or voluntar- uh, voluntarily with the Confederate States of America um, against the, the government of the United States, they all have to be removed. And yet he says they failed to address the most ever-present historical stigma in the United States Capitol that is the source that so fervently supported, condoned, and fought for slavery – that all of that is being left untouched without whom the evil of slavery could never have continues continued as it did and so he feels that it is extremely necessary that in order to avoid degradation of historical fact and blatant hypocrisy, he needed to bring forth this resolution. He goes through the Democrat Party platform of 1840, 1846, Ask that the Democrat Party be banned and all of the pictures and references to that party be eliminated from the House of Representatives. I'm going to be interested to see where that goes. Now, uh, quite frankly, though, in all seriousness, if you're in a situation that is unbearable or dangerous to you or your children's health, please 
contact a relative, ask them to help you find a safe haven. Stay with us for the second half of the Janice Daniels Show. The problem is all inside your head, she said to me. The answer is easy if you take it logically. I'd like to help you in your struggle to be free. There must be 50 ways to leave your lover. She said it's really not my habit to intrude Furthermore, I hope my meaning won't be lost or misconstrued But I'll repeat myself At the risk of being crude There must be 50 ways to leave your lover 50 ways to leave your lover You just slip out the back, Jack Make a new plan, stand You don't need to be coy, Roy just get yourself free Hop on the bus, Gus You don't need to discuss much Just drop off the key The Janice Daniels Show. Janice Daniels Show On Wham! Talk 1600 and 92.7 FM I've brought my U.S. 2020 presidential election countdown clock with me today. We are 100 days, 11 hours, 25 minutes, and about five seconds away from the election of 2020, the great election of 2020, where we will reelect President Donald J. Trump. And my hope is that we have a sweeping Republican victory across this country, and then we the people get down to serious business and really really insist upon our place at the top of this country as the people who hold all political power until we get the Republican Party to understand their duty to the Constitution of the United States of of America that protects our God-given rights, we are going to be a long way from where we need to be. But I am afraid and I am certain that the Democrat Party is beyond repair. So the first thing we need to do is, is elect an entire Republican House, Senate, of course, Donald Trump at all levels throughout the country, and then we have to get to work to fix these things that we've got going wrong now. I, I saw an article in the Christian Post that was dated November 15th, 2016, that there were 97 million eligible voters who did not vote in the November of 2016 election. Now, I doubt that that number really includes very many people who understand the true nature of our constitutionally limited Republican form of government that's based upon our Christian values found in the Holy Bible. In fact, I, I truly believe that if we only had the Ten Commandments as the law and we followed the law, we'd be in a far better place than we are with the tens of millions of wickedly written and speciously enforced man-made so-called laws that are crushing our liberty. Now, if these 97 million people represent the people who don't give a wooden nickel in exchange for the due diligence that's required of any and all voters to make a voting decision based upon a formed understanding of our republic and our constitution and our declaration of independence and our first 10 amendments known as the Bill of Rights, along with a studious attempt to understand the Bible, then I don't care if these people vote or not. In fact, I wouldn't mind if that number doubled. What we need to do is find a way to educate the people who are voting and then see if we can bring in some of those people who aren't voting so that they understand the importance of, go of, of voting. Um, you know, I, I, I won't hold my breath because, um, you know, they, as the old saying goes, if my aunt had 
well, we won't go there, but she would she would be my uncle anyway. And uh, um, you know that reminds me. I wonder what happened to John Bobbitt's. Uh, never mind. Uh, I have with me on the phone a dear friend of mine. She's a woman who I admired for a very long time. Not only because she's one of the faithful warriors for God, who has the gifts of clarity of thought and strength of heart and passion for God and country and her soul, but she also was one of my ladies who joined me on my very first radio gig of my life. We called that show Mayor Daniels and the Ladies of the Round Table. I want to welcome the founder and president of Vote Biblically. Vote Biblically, Allison Lorkowski to the Janice Daniels Show. Hello, Allison. Hi, Janice. It's so great to be with you and, um, you know, in the audience. I'm sure there's a lot of familiar people out there that, that I know. So it's great to be with everybody. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. I, I know that you've been busy in the past, and a lot of your projects have come to fruition most recently. One of the most kind of impressive um, missions or, or projects that you have undertaken uh, is that billboard uh, 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 project that you have worked on. You've got this beautiful billboard that's displayed in towns across uh, southeast Michigan. And why don't you talk a little bit about that billboard, how you came upon that 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 understanding where the disconnect is between um, poor women who find themselves pregnant without any other choice, but they think to have an abortion. Okay. Yeah, I just want to explain the billboard. It's because um, we started actually, well, biblically started billboards like 2012 during the election, 2016, and now we're at you know, 2020. And so this billboard's a little different. We had encouraged people to vote, but um, the billboard that we have for 2020 is, you know, vote biblically on it with the logo, but we also have, um, it says pregnant, undecided, and 800-712-HELP with a, a silhouette of a pregnant woman. And um, really the, the heart of it is, is that we believe in life, you know, we believe in life and there is help out there. So um, that 800 number is really an important number. I mean, I think that we, we have to give solutions, and that 800 number is a phenomenal number because it's a national number, and it helps moms and dads with their pregnancy. And so okay, let's have, repeat that number know, again, Allison. Mm-hmm. That's 1-800-712-HELP, H-E-L-P. Yep. Yeah. And so what happens is when they call that number, it'll direct them to a pregnancy center near their area. So it's a, it's a national number. So if you're coming in from Texas, you, you came in to visit here in Michigan, and you happen to see a billboard with an 800 number, um, it's, so it's a national number. And, and it's really exciting that we can give that number out. I mean, we as, as a, the body of Christ. Um, because these pregnancy centers, I mean, they're all, you know, they're all over the place. And right. um, it's just one number that can d- direct uh, a pregnant mom that needs help just by calling that one number. So it's phenomenal. It's a yeah, great that opportunity. Is, that is really a good thing, Allison, the 800-712-HELP mm-hmm. phone number. And you have billboards placed in Redford, Lansing, Washington Township, and Howell. Uh, do you have a fifth location in mind? Um, you know what? I have a lot of locations in mind. Wouldn't that be great if they were all over Michigan and the United States of America? So, um, actually, the, the more money we have that people contribute for billboards, the more billboards that we can put up. 
And um, yeah, so I'm just I'm just excited that we have four up, and I'm believing that we're going to have more. Um, yeah, I, I would love to have them. Um, we had one in Detroit. I'd like to go back into Detroit. That's just one of the areas that I really have a heart for. And um, we were looking in Grand Rapids uh, in different areas. So wherever we can put them, hi- highly populated near the expressways. And so and there's thousands of views every single day. Yeah. And these are people we can't reach. I mean, we're always trying to reach people, but it's so phenomenal that we can put a billboard up. We don't know who they are, but people are in need. And so I'm excited that we can reach thousands of views every single day. So the more boards that we put up, the more people we reach with that number. And we're also giving the message to vote biblically. Right. So that's really exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking to Allison Lorkowski. She is the founder and the president of a great organization called Vote Biblically. You can find her information by going to votebiblically.com. That's the website that she has. Um, really well-organized website, Allison. I have to commend you. It's it's very beautiful. And in fact, that's a lovely silhouette of that young lady holding her baby in her, you know, her obviously rounded pregnant belly uh, (laughs) that's on that billboard. It's, it's, It's really a lovely billboard. And, you know, and Vote Biblically is a godly mandate. Saving children is a biblical mandate. It's not political. It's not political. And yet you were stopped from putting a billboard up by a gentleman who uh, resisted your uh, billboard because it was too political. Um, actually, we in it, we had the word vote on there, and we were, we were told we were told that because we had vote on there, it seemed political. Mm-hmm. And these these are private billboards. So um, people can put business owners, which is really interesting. We talked about it yesterday. Um, it's a it's a private owner, so they can decide if they accept the board or they don't. And so um, I was told, oh, they didn't like the word, but they didn't like vote on there. Um, so that was that was interesting. But I think that we're being censored, and we talked about that yesterday. And um, the sad part is, on Facebook and social media, we're being censored. And this even drives me even more for us to get out there and find ways that we can reach people. Um, and Christians are being censored mm. and our beliefs are being censored in America. And that's unimaginable. We never thought we would ever get to that point in America. No, we never did. And it's kind of amazing that a man, a private uh, businessman, can discriminate against a godly message while other private businessmen are not allowed to so-called discriminate against wicked displays like of immorality I, I mean what do we what do we why do we always protect immorality and 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 forget about the righteous defense of the unborn child I don't understand everything is upside down we are living in Alice's Wonderland yeah and yeah I think what's really interesting before I came online I was looking at Facebook and the advertisements and they do have a disclosure. You know, we you can't discriminate to the, you know, different uh, genders or you can't discriminate, you know, in different areas. But, you know, biblically, there, there's a belief system that we have. And so um, when you turn that around, the Christians are being discriminated because we believe in a certain way. We believe in marriage between a man and a woman. And so if we say that we're discriminating... So it's just amazing, but I think that we really need to, in this hour, in this time, and in this season, we need to take the opportunity to reach out to people and really share, like, share the Word, share God's truth, and remind them 
that, you know, God is a part of us and that we do need to vote biblically and vote based on biblical principles. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because you're absolutely right. We are in such a time that we do need to start going out and talking to perfect strangers. Now, I have a relative who who actually walks up to again complete strangers and starts engaging them in in a polite but but educated and spirited dialogue as to exactly what the danger is dangers are that we are in in the year 2020 uh, and his bottom line is to encourage people to make an educated vote for trump rather than blindly allowing the communist takeover with a vote for a marxist democrat or 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 he isn't he encourages people to listen to talk radio as a way to get educated and i i like that you know especially the great right. wham talk 1600 I, I think that's a great idea for people <laughs> around the world whamradio.com listen to educated right. talk Talk radio hosts that that want to share the message of Christianity because, quite frankly, Christians have allowed this nation to become what it is today, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. And I think what's interesting is I actually started Marketplace Ministry around 2013, or maybe it's been 13 years. I'm not really good at time, but anyways, I've been doing this for a long time. Uh-huh. And in all honesty, I am like I have not seen things improve. And I'm looking at I'm looking at I call it murder in the in the Bible. There there is no word abortion. It actually says murder. And I look at that and I'm sitting there this past year in New York, infanticide was legalized in Virginia. Infanticide was legalized. So it's like here, you know, abortion takes place, and then you know the second trimester, the third trimester, the baby's born, and you know it, they pass infanticide. And all the everything that we're seeing, even like um, you know, sex education, we're seeing Planned Parenthood doing the the, the programming, um, and you can't even show. I can't show the pictures. I mean, they actually blurt out the the pictures that they show in these um, educational, uh, in their curriculum for for junior high kids. And I mean, it's just like it's so perverse. So we've been fighting for a long time. A lot of us on the front lines. You're one. You're one of the frontliners here in Michigan. So we definitely have to be a louder voice. And we don't have much. I believe we don't have much time left. So well, um, Allison, yeah, we have all the time that God has given us. We are only mm-hmm. a, a spot in the history of the world. All we can do with the time that we have is do the best we can do to bring these 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 horrible and 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 correctable issues because you know this creeping mandate of the evil one hasn't happened overnight as you know i mean we started out with us with the women's so-called right to choose what to do with their body okay i can agree with that i want to have the right to do what i want with my body mm-hmm. and what i should do with my body is keep my knees together and that should have been the message ladies you want the right to choose choose to keep your knees together of course then that changed to a woman's right to shed innocent blood of the child in their womb who just like magically appeared because the woman didn't keep her knees together. So then all of a sudden, as you say, we're at a place where because we let this keep creeping mandate, this mandate keeps going forward on and on and on. Now we have infanticide where a live baby is born and it, it, it's put on a table. And, 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 and while the doctor and the mother decides what to do with it, whether to allow that boy or girl to live or die on the table, I mean, that's that's shocking. And it's at a point where we need to say no more. 
Right. And I, the, you know, when, when you, I'm listening to what you're saying, Janice, and the thing is, you know, mom, you have a choice with your own life, but when you get pregnant, that's not your life anymore. That's right. That, that's that's a life. That's a life, and that's what people really, you know, just really explain to people when that when that sperm hits the egg, there is a life, a life takes place, and so, um, yeah, I mean, it's sort of interesting. I just I really want to share where the heart is with the biblically thing too, is because we need to be that voice. We need to come out stronger, and we're seeing this big movement. We're seeing, a, and I'm going to be honest, we're seeing these movements. And, um, you know, I wish I could do the Black Lives Matter across. I wish I could do a vote biblically, like Black Lives Matter can do it across the Trump Towers there in New York. Yeah. Um, but we can't do that. Like, if hey, we try to put vote biblically across there or um, Jesus Matters, we're not going to be able to do that. So we actually have to be creative. And I really want to encourage people, you know, vote biblically really is about a movement. And it's about a movement like... Wouldn't it be great if people, like, we start, I know you have your yard sign up, and I have yes. mine, and people are putting their Vote Biblical yard signs up, and, I mean, wouldn't it be great to see them across Michigan? Wouldn't it be great to see it across the nation, Vote Biblically, to get people to think? And when you look at the logo of, which is amazing, when you look at the logo of Vote Biblically, it's uh, the United States of America with a cross in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I believe we need to raise God back up in this country. And so I agree I with you, really but Allison, I challenge mm-hmm. you, let, let's you and me get in our car and drive to New York and write the words vote biblically in front of the <laughs> Trump Tower. Let's see if they throw us in jail. I mean, I don't want to end up in jail. Again, like I said, if I have to be put in jail, put me in solitary confinement, please. Uh, but uh, but that's <laughs> the kind of actions. I mean, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He would say that to us if he were alive today, if he were standing here. We cannot continue to be silent. Now, you and I are not silent. We're pretty vocal in what we do. But um, I keep saying to people, take uh, one step further beyond what you're doing. And for you and I to go to New York and write vote biblically on the sidewalk in front of Trump Tower would be a challenge. Well, you know what? I think you have a real idea. I think we should really think about that. I'm serious. I think we really should think about actually going in front of a building. Yep. And you know what? It doesn't necessarily have to be we're illegal about it, but there might be somebody out there that would say, hey, come over in front of my business, come in front of my hotel, and we welcome you to put vote biblically in front of our building. I, I mean, think it's God a great is idea. like opening up doors for creativity, and yep. we need to get our message across the nation, not just here in Michigan. So, Janice, I'm going to throw it out there. If anybody knows a business, hey, listen, we'll pay for the paint and the roller, and let's do it. Absolutely. I love it. Uh, now, that, I'm, I'm serious, Allison, and I know you are, too, and uh, we'll work on that in the future. But right now, you're doing another exciting project that you're calling a Bible study. Let's talk about that a little bit. Right. Well, I think what's really interesting is um, I actually did a, a pamphlet, like it says, vote biblically, what does that mean? And it mm-hmm. has like different issues in it. And um, the Lord really put on my heart, in, in all honesty, I mean, I know scripture really well, not super well, but I know it pretty well. And I think it's really hard for people to connect the dots. Uh-huh. And so um, we've been really, it's been a time of, it's been a quiet time for a lot of us. And the Lord really put on my heart to um, do, to write a Bible study. And what I'm doing is I'm taking, like, facts and, and things today that people are dealing with. 
I mean, even like um, I was sharing with you, Sharia, people don't even know what Sharia means. I mean, we know what Sharia means, yeah. but they don't understand what Sharia means. So, I mean, it might be a definition, what, you know, the definition of Sharia, the definition of jihad, but I'm taking all these different topics, and obviously abortion in the Bible, it says murder, but I'm, I'm giving you statistics. I'm giving you definitions. I'm giving you facts that are going to help you that you're living today, and then connect with Scripture. And I think that we need to connect the dots for people. So I'm really, I've been working on this Bible study. I'm on page, believe it or not. I don't know how, it's pretty big. It's about 25 pages right now, so I don't know where I'm going to end up. Mm-hmm. But I'm really going to encourage the pastors. I mean, the pastors to um, embrace this study and really equip their congregation. Um, so when mom is dealing with they're teaching homosexuality in the school and mom's just letting it happen. She's going to be convicted. She's going to know, Hey, this is wrong. This is what it says in scripture and just really equipping the body of Christ to be a voice and just being convicted in, in what the, what God says, you know what I'm saying? I know that a lot of people don't even quite frankly understand what you mean by vote biblically. Mm -hmm. Uh, in, In fact, in this day and age, uh, that's a very difficult thing to do. I mean, if Moses was on the ballot or Jacob was on the mm-hmm. ballot, uh, you know, uh, we might be able to figure out who we should vote for. But right now, um, we don't always have a biblical choice. So uh, if, in fact, we don't have a biblical choice, what are some of your you know, parameters that you just say this is what you cannot vote for? Well, you know what? I, 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 I'm getting your question. And I understand where it's leading. You know what? Obviously, we're talking about life. We're talking about murder. We're talking about, you know, we're talking about a lot of issues, homosexuality. We're talking about what, what's been normalized in America. We're talking about sin. We're talking about sin. So, I mean, people have to look at it. And, you know, we cannot legalize sin. And that's what's right. happening in America. And there's always consequences to sin. And there's consequences to um, the bloodshed that's gone on in America, too. I mean, the bloodshed that's been on American soil. I mean, we're now seeing a lot of bloodshed. There's consequences. So I, we, we have to look at the sin. You know, what do these people believe in? And some of these, um, some of these politicians are, like, so far off. I mean, you don't even have to be a Christian and read Scripture to, to get it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I yeah, mean, thou shalt yeah. not murder, and abortion is murder. But some people don't get that connection because there are still some people out there in the world that literally do not believe that what a woman is carrying in her womb is a baby, which is just shocking to me. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that you mentioned the churches a number of times, and I think that the churches have a have a very strong mandate to get back out in the public. Forget about the 5013C tax exempt status, etc., and, and and realign your priorities. You know, right now I, I, I've listened to a lot of Christian sermons Sunday morning. I, In fact, I listen to Christian radio all Sunday till about two o'clock when Dave Janda comes on Wham Radio, and then I got to listen to his show. But um, listening to these Christian sermons, I keep he- hearing the repeated emphasis in prayer, God, please grant us strength, give us glory, give us mercy, give, 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 rather than, God, what can we do for you? How can we protect your kingdom? How can we glorify your name? How can I save your institutions? There doesn't seem to be a mandate from the pulpit for the people to act in a godly manner. 
Right. You've been I facing this problem I'm, for I'm a very long time, saying, Allison. And I think the, the leaders of the church, and I'm sort of tough on them, they've been people-pleasing and not God-pleasing. Yep. And, yep. It, and it is and it's so sad because I look at, at what's happening to the church. They're actually handicapped. It's like a bird with a broken wing. You know, Allison, you're you such an inspiration to me. We're I mean, coming to the not, end of the show. I apologize. Oh, VoteBiblically.com. And remember, spread the word. It's WAM. That's W-A-A-M out of Ann Arbor, Michigan. And I'm Janice Daniels.